Do you want to make games? Join the WVU Game Developers Club. They meet every Thursday at 6.30 in the Evansville Crossing, room 412. No primary experience is necessary. They help you make your first game, regardless of what background you have. Uh, everyone is welcome. You can check them out on Twitter at WVUGDC. Also check out their Facebook page. We hope to see you there. Hey, and welcome to Game Talk, episode 18. I'm your host, Ahmed Mion. This week I'm joined by Michael Dumeyer. And Connor Haynes. Hey, guys. And our first topic today is going to be Fortnite Battle Royale. Now, a couple weeks ago, we did a topic on PUBG and just sort of the Battle Royale genre in general and how it had exploded onto the gaming scene and is by far the most popular form of multiplayer gaming right now. But just recently, within the span, it seems of a month or so, Fortnite has seriously exploded onto the scene, having even overtaken PUBG in in pretty much all metrics in, in terms of players who are concurrently playing and Twitch views and YouTube views. Um, Fortnite has really sort of captured the current zeitgeist of gaming, and I kind of wanted to just bring it up to you guys and maybe talk about why that is. And what if, or what are your experiences, if if any, with Fortnite? Right. So PUBG <coughs> has a lot of issues with it, first and foremost, that kind of explain why Fortnite has taken off. Because Fortnite, or Fortnite Battle Royale, because nobody plays normal Fortnite. Nobody cares about it. I think it's called uh, Save the World now. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's been failing for a long time. But they already had, you know, it's... It's Epic Games that makes Fortnite. So they had this Unreal Engine. They had a lot of a game already built in Fortnite. And they saw the opportunity to seize this uh, emerging genre or subgenre, whatever. But um, And they just they grabbed it. And at first it didn't, it didn't gather a lot of steam. But it was on console before PUBG was. It's still on PS4 when PUBG isn't. And it has competent developers, which is something PUBG really just doesn't seem like it can say a lot of the time. Like, PUBG seems to be in damage control a lot of the time. Because I know, I know the team has competent developers on it, because I know some of their names. It's, like, Ep- it's Epic Games. I mean, they're... Yeah, but they're, Ep- Epic can blow Blue Hole out of the water every time. Yeah. But PUBG, yeah, they just, it's Blue Hole. It's a, it's a Korean company, I think. I don't know. They don't have a track record, really, and Epic Games has a pretty good track record. I mean, just looking like how well Fortnite runs on the same engine that PUBG runs on. Yeah, and it's worth breaking up. Fortnite would not exist right now if it were not for PUBG, I don't think. Oh, absolutely um, not. But it really did seem like all the stars aligned, and I think the mantle was there for either PUBG or Fortnite to take and really sort of dominate gaming. And Fortnite took it while PUBG sort of just faltered. They're still dealing with cheating problems and just bug fixes. Well, it seems like Fortnite is an extremely polished product, uh, getting constant, uh, significant developer updates. It seems almost weekly. There's either tweaks made, locations added, or new weapons added to the game. Right, they treat it, they do like events almost like an MMO as well, or like Overwatch does. Right, there's always a special mode or two that you can play in, uh, limited time modes that, for instance, the most recent one was called uh, like Golden Mode or whatever, and all the weapons that dropped were of the highest rarity, so everyone just had like the best guns. So PUBG and Fortnite are two very different moods. Um, I play both, and I would say, like, if I'm, like, kind of tired at the end of the day and I want to play a game, Fortnite is fine for that. PUBG's really not. PUBG's way more... It's a very intense experience. It's intense. I'm thinking about, like, gun attachments. I'm thinking about hiding spots. I'm thinking about all this different stuff. Whereas in Fortnite, maybe it's just... I don't know if mechanically it really is this, but the art style leads me to care less. Like, I don't... I'm not torn up when I don't win a game of Fortnite. Yeah, and I think you you brought up a good point with the art style. I think that's another reason why it's having this massive appeal because of the cartoony art style. It appeals to younger kids more, and maybe that's a factor in why it has bigger numbers than PUBG now. Because PUBG is a very realistic See, Yeah, I I definitely lean more towards PUBG's art style. I like it more. But I'm saying... um, 
kids don't. Yeah, exactly. The cartoony art style has a broader appeal. And as far as mechanics go, on the surface, it, it I don't I, I think it seems like PUBG is richer mechanically. But incorpor- when you when you think about Fortnite's build mechanic, you can do some really crazy stuff. Like I've seen some streamers that just their dexterity is so high, and they're building all these structures within the span of seconds, while also like fending off right like several enemies at once. You have to be really skilled to do that. So like um, for example, I think the most popular Twitch streamer for Fortnite right now, his name is Ninja. He goes by Ninja. He makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a month streaming Fortnite, like, 24-7. And uh, he's number one for good reason. He he does this thing where he goes into the squads mode just by himself and wins the entire game, like, regularly. So he's wow. fighting, like, teams of four by himself, you know, and just dismantling them. That's wild. And so, like, there is, like, a very clear, like, skill, depth of skill in that game. See, I, I, I was finding in PUBG that there was only so good you could get at it, it felt like. Yeah, like, I, I really do think the building has added more dimension to this game than people for, might have first thought or suspected. I think you have a point. Mike, have you played Fortnite at all? Nope. Have you played PUBG at all? Nope. Oh, okay, so you still haven't been sucked into the Battle Royale craze. Not at all, that's why I've been <laughs> silent. Yeah, I I know I was totally like you for a long time, like a couple months ago. Um, I don't think you'd played PUBG yeah, when we I did our PUBG I topic. Played, I hadn't played PUBG. I'd never really watched or played any Battle Royale-style game. And then what finally got me into it is just some of my friends were playing, and I was just like, fine, I'll finally try it. And I, I don't know why I was so hesitant. I guess it was just one of those things where I was being a hipster and like everyone was doing it so i didn't want to do it i get but then i played it and i was just like okay this is really fun fortnite um fortnite's kind of broken into the mainstream in a way that i didn't expect at all as well like you see um i you see all these memes on twitter about girlfriends complaining about their boyfriends playing fortnite and that's something that i've never seen outside of call of duty yeah no you bring up an excellent point like fortnite fortnite's a household name yeah it's become mainstream so quickly in a way that's only happened, like, the most recent time that's happened, I can think of, is Pokemon Go, where, yeah. like, everyone knew what that was. Like, people who didn't even play video games. The same thing's happening now, where people who don't play video games have heard of Fortnite. Like, it really... And that's such a powerful tool for Epic. And, and what's funny is, a Fortnite victory is something that is respected outside of gaming communities at this oh, point. Oh, really? I didn't... I I mean, I'm not aware like of this. A, like, like, people know how hard it is to get. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, and and that's another thing, too, like, that also increases your drive to play the game, like, you want to win, you know, it's, it's, because it's such a rare thing. Oh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard, uh, funny stories, like, um, my friends all play Fortnite together, and they, like, they, um, they, like, play with their roommates and stuff, and they hate when they win, and nobody's there to, like, celebrate with them, like, because it's such a big deal, and if nobody even sees that you did it, like, yeah. It feels like a hollow victory, kind of. Yeah, I've, I've been playing Fortnite since January, I think, and I've only won once. Oh, really? So, what, yeah. uh What game was it? With, squads? With uh, duos. Duos? Yeah. I've won, uh, I've never won Fortnite. I don't play it that much, though. I've had some success in PUBG. I've won everything but Soul. No, I've won each each mode, but I've only won Solo once. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's no, really hard. No, it definitely hard. is. It takes a lot of coordination to pull off a win in either of those games. Just uh, thinking forward a little bit, one thing I'd like to see from Fortnite kind of soon would be a new map. Yeah. They keep adding things to this map, which is cool, but there's only so much you can add to a map before it becomes, like, unbalanced. And I think it's in a really good place right now. Right. I I do think um, one thing that uh, PUBG has over Fortnite that is a a real game changer is vehicles. Because I liked... One of my favorite things about PUBG was, like, how many different experiences would be in a single game like you'd have that early game where you're running around collecting stuff Fortnite has that but then the mid game in PUBG tended to be like finding a vehicle and driving around the map trying to find a place and I feel like Fortnite is kind of lacking that mid game yeah I don't know if it wants that though because I think I think Fortnite wants to be a more focused shorter experience and, and yes I agree with you there and their maps a lot smaller isn't it I mean I 
I'm not sure about PUBG's map size, but I I believe it is smaller. That's what I've heard. You can drive for a pretty long time in yeah. PUBG. And I yeah, I don't think Fortnite needs vehicles for what it's trying to be. I think it works just fine, especially because it has the building mechanic mm-hmm. to sort of s- not like replace the driving, but right, it's to, an additional it's, mechanic yeah. where it doesn't have the driving. And also, I feel like if vehicles were added, maybe the pace would just be too fast because like they're yeah. already very quick games. Like if you could traverse the map like three, four times faster, then they would go even f- quicker. Right. Um, there is one other thing that I feel is lacking from the entire genre right now, and that's really progression. Like you don't something that keeps shooters <coughs> alive for a long time usually is like unlocks and stuff. Right. And all they have is cosmetics right now, and I see why. And you know, it, it's kind of strange. The cosmetics are only uh you you have to pay for them, right? Right. For for Fortnite. Really? Uh, yeah. You can't unlock cosmetics by playing the game. You At have all. to pay for them. The oh. only exception is you can get a like a cool glider if mm-hmm. you win. Okay. If you win the battle royale, you get a glider like pertaining to like the season that the game's in right now. Okay. But other than that, you have to like buy all your emotes, your dances, your oh wow. pickaxes, your So costumes. there's nothing you get for winning except the glider. Yep. See, um Player Unknown's Battleground had um every time or at you least let me let me let me backtrack. That's what I think because I've only won once, uh-huh. and um, it it could be the case that maybe you just get something random when you win, but I don't think that's the case. See, PUBG gives you um PUBG gives you points, uh, for every game you get more for kills and more for like lasting longer, and less for being on a team than you would alone. Okay, but um, makes sense. You can like buy loot crates for cosmetics with that. And I just don't know how long that'll keep people's attention because... And I also... I get where they're coming from. Like, you can't give somebody a new gun in PUBG or Fortnite because everybody's pulling from the same pool of guns that they loot the whole time. I just think that it would be interesting to give them something that is more than cosmetic. Like, maybe side grades of some kind. Yeah, no, I hear you, and that would be interesting, but, like... I just don't know. They're what those succeeding could be. so well right now without that, which is kind of strange, you know. When you yeah. look at the big yeah, it shooters, it seems like everyone is paying for uh, loot boxes in this game, or for they're not loot boxes, but microtransactions. Really, they're like, not loot boxes in Fortnite. No. Oh wow. Yeah, they're you can specifically buy whatever skin you want and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, in a free-to-play game, I'm, I'm tempted to drop some think, money on that to encourage yeah, it. Yeah, I think the. Uh, the hook is that, like, a lot of the costumes and emotes and stuff are, like, timed. So if you, like, miss out, you're not going to ever have that again. You know? Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, what's the what's it, the average price of a... Like, like five? I, I'm honestly not... I think, like, 3 to $5, okay. or something like that. But um, it's surprising to me. Like, me uh, and my friends, we have not spent a cent on Fortnite. But it seems like literally everyone else, because like uh, when you load up into a game, you're in like a lobby with all the other 99 players right. for a little bit. It seems like everyone has skins, everyone has special dances, and it's like it's just amazing to see like all these people spent money on these cosmetic things in this game. It's just like Epic is making a fortune off of it. Right, and I I mean more power to them. I think a a freemium economy in a freemium game is fine and they're not even doing it in a predatory way they're not doing loot boxes i i wish them all the money in the world they're not you know charging you 60 dollars for the game and then yeah locking the only form of progression behind loot boxes like someone yeah nobody's stupid enough to do that again (laughs) yeah but um yeah no i wish them all the success in the world um just talking about this is making me want to go home and play some. No, it's so much fun. That's that's the thing. Like, it has, even in my like when I'm like in downtime when I'm not playing video games, more often than not, I'm watching like a stream of Fortnite or like a really cool YouTube video of Fortnite. It's just it really has taken a hold of like mainstream gaming. It also, cool um, I like one one thing that I really like about the art style, even though I prefer PUBG's art style, <coughs> is that in Fortnite you can put like weird or ridiculous guns. That would feel really out of place, right? In, uh, in um, PUBG, yeah. Like, aren't, aren't there like chain guns and stuff? And no, no, there aren't. But like uh, an example of what you're talking about, like the boogie bomb. The you, boogie bomb. When you throw it, um, if it hits someone, they dance and they 
dance for like five to ten seconds oh, and or they, something, they can't and they can't move. shoot. And they can move, but they can't shoot. Oh, that's so funny. like, if you come up to them and like start shooting them, they can't really defend against that. So yeah, they kind of open the door for themselves for like wacky mechanics like that, and yeah. I love that in the game. Yeah, I heard like a very soon one of their future updates is going to add a jetpack to the game, <laughs> and I think that would be a pretty big game changer. Yeah, just depending on how build those towers. Just depending stuff. on how it works. Yeah, it's going to allow for like much faster mm-hmm. vertical and horizontal mobility, which could you know shift the balance of that game. But we'll see. They've been like so good about keeping the game well balanced and like constantly updating if there's problems. I'm not really concerned. I also the, I understand there's cross-platform multiplayer for Yes, it. that's another big thing. There is. Uh, I know there is between PC and PS4. I assume there is between Xbox and PC as well because... Why wouldn't there be? Yeah, PS4 no. and Xbox are never going to be able to play with each other because of Sony. They're being little children about it. But, um, yeah, that's another huge plus. Like, uh, my cousin, he plays mostly on PC, and I was just I was able to play Fortnite with him on my PS4, no problem. Granted, you know everyone on PC is significantly better because gets, of keyboard and mouse controls. Who gets the short end of the stick there? Is it a PC player and a and a game full of PS4 players, or is it a PS4 player? The PS4 players for sure, because <clears throat> the PC players have mouse aiming, right? Right, but who like if you're doing cross-platform multiplayer, is the PS4 player put on PC servers, or is the PC player put on PS4 servers? I'm not sure about that, but it is 60 frames per second regardless of any platform you're on. Right, but, you know, mouse aim is a problem then. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you can plug a mouse into a PS4. But. You can, but, like, honestly, I haven't noticed too many issues. Like, yes, they're more likely to, like, if an equal-skilled console player went against a PC player, yeah, the PC player would probably kill the console player. But two casual but like, players, I don't e- see it being Exactly, a and most people playing the game aren't, you know, at ninja's level or something right. like that. So I don't really see it as a problem right now, at least. All right, I think uh, I think that's all I've got to say. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, it's super fun. Yeah. I'm probably going to play some more later tonight. Yeah, I might uh, as well. And it's great, yeah. Um, I think Mike was going to introduce the next topic. Mike, do you want to... Take it away. So there comes a time in every great franchise's life where it has to make that transition from 2D to 3D. And sometimes it works out. And other times it's a complete disaster that destroys the entire franchise and often the creators and everyone involved. Sonic Adventure. (laughs) Um, Sonic's still releasing games now, isn't it? They're so, not dead. So is Donkey so, Kong. So, Donkey Kong 64 was a disaster. Ju- just to it was cl- a good game. <laughs> just to clarify, this transition was more of a problem, you know, a decade and a half ago as opposed to right now, right? Right. Like when games were, were when around the N64 era. So, like, yeah, that's 18 years ago. The, yeah, there's not a lot of pressure for a game that's 2D now to go 3D because yeah. it's, not, it's not novel anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, it would be, like, a cool retro thing if it did I think like if Shovel Knight's next game was like Shovel Knight 64 you know yeah but I, I just feel like people aren't nostalgic for um not yet at least we're still I think we're still in the nostalgia era for for 3D no 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 I say, I'm saying we're not there yet I don't think I don't think there's ever going to be a nostalgia era for like N64 graphics mm, really be surprised people I mean, get nostalgic for just about everything not beyond like well pixel art can be really good looking but also, I, I would argue that we're st- already kind of getting there. Like, ukulele was a thing that was funded, you know? Right. That's nostalgic for the gameplay, not the art style, though. Oh, you're talking about strictly, talking like, about polygonal, like, yeah, like yeah. okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. No, I definitely think people are nostalgic for early platform, early 3D mechanics and stuff that kind of went wayside. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I don't think... I don't think there's ever going to be nostalgia for N64-era graphics because, like, nobody's really nostalgic for the really, really early 2D graphics. Like, nobody's nostalgic for... Like Atari level graphics and stuff, really. They're nostalgic for NES and Super NES, right. which was technically very mature in two D life. Because those sprite, that sprite artwork could s- still like looks beautiful by any measure today, right. if it's done well. Whereas that early three D polygonal style, such an estimation. Yeah, like of... back then, of course, it blew your socks off because n- nothing like that had ever been done before. But now we have such detailed. 3D polygonal yeah, models with like of yeah, yeah. yeah not trillions yeah but. what like millions yeah definitely yeah. millions 
and w and that number only goes up with each console generation. Um, so why settle for a lesser version of the same sort of art style? Right. If you get what I mean, yeah. But uh, the the transition into 3D definitely got a few a few people. <laughs> and uh, what, so what are you some brought, of the... you brought up Sonic, right? Yeah, Sonic got um, Sonic got got. Sonic had to figure out a lot of things in, in the transition. Things I'm still not convinced it has all figured out. I think it did at some point, and they forgot again. Yeah. But um, that's another. Uh, Star Fox? I mean, Star Fox started off in 3D. Yeah, Star so. Fox's issue was that the whole game, like, to Nintendo was a novelty, that it was 3D at the time. Right. And then, once that wasn't a novelty anymore, they still had a game that people enjoyed playing, and that wasn't enough for them? I don't know. Like, they just kept well, wanting to shove other stuff into it. You, you got to imagine, at the time, you know, like, 3D was... It was the next big thing, you know? Nintendo would have... It makes sense that they would have rushed to bring all their big franchises to that platform. Sort of express them that way. Right. Uh, but Star Fox uh, was born in 3D, and then just got worse. Like it... I mean, Star Fox 64 was really good. It didn't, yeah, Star Fox 64 the was the last good one. Attempted sequel for the original Star Fox, Star Fox 2, was apparently really good, unless you ask IGN. Yeah, that <laughs> released, like, last year, right? Yeah. It uh -oh. finally came out after being in... So I actually enjoyed, as a child, Star Fox Adventures and Star Fox Assault, like, a lot. Okay, but neither of those... I think those were okay. They didn't start as Star Fox games, for one thing. They started as Adventures didn't, right? But yeah, Assault Advent did, right? Oh. No, Adventure Adventures was originally like Adventure on Dinosaur Planet yeah, or something. And then they, and made then it they a were Star like Fox game. Nintendo was like, you know what this needs? <laughs> yeah. Star Fox. You know what this totally land based game needs? Yeah. Space Foxes. It's a very strange well, that was my first Fox Star Fox game. So <laughs> I'm a, first I, Fox game. I, I had a I had a strange My first upbringing. Fox game was Super Smash Bros. that was Melee and oh man. Well, okay, if you put it like that, then <laughs> that was mine, too. But what, okay, so what other franchises sort of struggled with the transition for 2D to 3D? Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, yeah. Donkey um, Kong. I personally love Donkey Kong 64, but I guess it wasn't resonant enough for them to make more games in that style. I didn't think Donkey Kong 64 was good. Donkey Kong 64 was kind of the epitome of everything that was bad about Collectathon games because, in essence, it was one giant collect-everything game. Yeah, I remember as a child falling in love with that game. What did it have? What did it have? Like eight different collectibles required to complete the game? That sounds about right. Or nine? It was ridiculous. Uh, Bubsy failed, but Bubsy wasn't good in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It, um, so it I, tempted. Do you think maybe that has something to do with it? No, I, I guess not, because Sonic was good in 2D. And Donkey Kong was great in 2D. Donkey Kong and then, was great. Yeah. And then I'm about to pull up the TV tropes page for this. I'm gonna get a list of examples. It's 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 not hard to come up with games that made the transition well, like Mario and Zelda. Yeah, I mean, and, they, both uh, of those have excellent 2D and 3D games. Interestingly enough, a lot of people argue that Metroid <laughs> didn't make the transition well. I think the Metroid Prime games are very good. Yeah, but I, there are a lot of people who only like 2D Metroid. Uh, I mean, I guess I could see where they're coming from because. Metroid essentially created a genre. Right. Um, so, like, anything that deviates from that would probably, like, bug a lot of people. But, like, I think by any objective measure, the 3D Metroid games are great. I, I agree. Well, okay, so 3D Metroid games. The Metroid Prime <laughs> games are great. but That's what I meant. Metroid Other M was supposed to be, like, a 3D version of the old 2D games. Like, it was supposed to be an attempt at a return to form. And it was atrocious. Like you know, yeah, they, I, ne I never played it. They had gotten it right on the first time, and their attempt to move backwards was a colossal failure. So I would call Metroid Other M a failure to move 2D Metroid into 3D. So Mega Man has kind of failed against the polygon ceiling. Uh, don't don't you tell me this. Mega Man Legends was a fantastic game. <laughs> wait, I mean, wait, wait, wait. it looked real clunky. I loved it what? though. Were there any 3D Mega Man games? Yeah, Mega Man Legends 1 and 2. But was Mega Man Legends Mega Man? Mm. What was Metroid Prime Metroid? So wait, You still had the morph ball. <laughs> what was Mega Man Legends like? Was it still a side-scroller? It was a third-person shooter. Really? Yeah. I did not know this game even existed. It was a third-person shooter. Yeah. Um, It was just a third-person shooter. You ran and you shot stuff. It was a pretty faithful adaptation of Mega Man into the 3D space, in my opinion. Although they, like... 
it had its own totally separate story from the old games, and um, there were only two of them, and never got a third. And they're very expensive now. Uh, the game's pretty rare. It's very expensive to get mm-hmm. a hold of a disc or a cartridge. I think it was also released on N64, but I played it on PlayStation. It was a. I I thought it was a good game, but uh, it, it, it's interesting. Do you think that? Do you think that any 2D game franchise could potentially successfully be ported to 3D? It's just a matter of picking and choosing the correct mechanics to translate. Um, because I could see in some bizarro alternate universe where you know maybe Mario's jump to 3D was terrible and Sonic's was really good. It's if just, not, if not for Z targeting, Zelda's would have been horrib- horrifying. Right. But then again, Ocarina of Time is viewed as one of the best games of all time. Right. Because Another game that didn't make it was the often forgotten, I believe, sequel to Secret of Mana, Dawn of Mana. Never heard of it. Yeah, I never heard of it. Uh, apparently it exists. Let's see. PlayStation This 2. is an RPG, though? How would an RPG lose anything in the transition to 3D? I don't understand that. Yeah, it's a Mana prequel. Uh, it was an RPG... Except you lost all your upgrades at the end of a level. That's a, I don't I don't know if that's a see a fault I think that's just incompetent. Like, that's just incompetent yeah. game design. So know. like Final Fantasy VI was a two D game. Final Fantasy VII was a three D game. And it made their first three D game, and it's very to this day yeah, probably graceful. the most beloved Final Fantasy. They game. they attempted to turn it into a three D action platformer from what I'm reading, with like no RPG elements coming from a two D action RPG. That's a big jump. And kind of design. So what's interesting to me is to look at games that never made the jump, really. And what comes to mind immediately for me is Kirby. Kirby's never had a 3D game. Wow, yeah, you're right. Except Kirby's Air Ride, and that doesn't count, because that's a spin-off. A different genre, essentially. Yeah, Kirby has never had a 3D platformer, <coughs> and that doesn't really make sense to me, because I don't see anything about Kirby that would... Limit it like that. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't there a Kirby racing game? There was Kirby's Air Ride, but that I mean, it's a totally different genre. It's not Kirby. I mean, it's a Kirby game. Uh, uh, I'm gonna count that. I, I mean, I think you have to of. you I have mean, to preserve like a couple of the core mechanics to say that it's like a Kirby game, like a Mario game. So that's Has like saying running and that's jumping. like saying Mario yeah. Kart's a Mario game. It's a right. Mario Kart game, you know. Yeah, Mario games have to have running and jumping. Zelda games have to have the exploration and the sword. Yeah. I guess. The combat. Yeah. Going by that, I could definitely say you could classify Mega Man Legends as a Mega Man Legends game, not Mega Man. See, I disagree, because when I think of a Mega Man game, all I think of is running and jumping. That's It's a run and gun. And Jump shooting. and shoot. Yeah. And you can do all those things in Mega Man Legends. Jump and shoot and side-scroll. I mean, yeah, you can't side-scroll in a 3D game. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you can. Look at Nier Automata. Okay, that's fair, but... <laughs> And Sonic now. I just, um, I don't know. I don't think the polygon ceiling is, uh, I, I mean, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty, but I feel like incompetence was the problem with a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, now that talking to get about it. it, I kind of feel the same way. Like, um, I mean, it's hard. I wouldn't, okay. Incompetence sounds really harsh. Not incompetence, but just like lack of knowledge at the time. Yeah, because like, you didn't know. Didn't, it was all experimental. You didn't know what would translate well and what wouldn't. You and had cameras, to try. like nobody had ever had to deal with a camera before. Right, like that was all new. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, the Sonic games still haven't learned how to do 3D right, and it's been how long? Forever, twenty years. <laughs> twenty years. Yeah. They're still trying. Every every game, something new, and we are never. We're always surprised. Well, well it goes back to the learning aspect of it. It doesn't seem like they've learned from their failures in 3D. Like a they lot certainly of these, haven't learned from their successes. A lot of these other franchises did, you know, like Donkey Kong, like you said, Donkey Kong 64 came out. They tried some things in 3D, didn't work. All the previous, uh, all the subsequent Donkey Kong games were 2D and they were yeah. excellent. That's because they went back to Nintendo. Nintendo just took it after Rare got bought out. I mean, that's true, but they did, Nintendo did learn from it. Actually, I think there were a, not, wasn't a proper Donkey Kong game past 64 until... Until Donkey Kong Country Returns like by Retro. 10, 20 years later. Yeah, it was a while. Um, there, was, there was that weird Bongo game Yeah, on GameCube. Uh, what was it called? It's like Tropical... Or it no. was like Bongo Blast and no, Jungle... it was Jungle Beat. Jungle Beat. Jungle and then Beat. there was, yeah, that was like it. another Blast, something Blast game. Maybe. I don't know. 
I never understood those games. But I that, can say Donkey Kong Country Returns and Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze are both excellent games, but they're 2D, so they don't meet the topic. You know, I will um, I will also say there were some really weird transitions to 3D. Pac-Man, for instance. Is there a 3D Pac-Man game? Pac-Man There were like two of them. Yeah, Pac-Man Adventure or something. I don't know. But it's just, it's like, you know Pac-Man from Smash Bros? Like that, that was the look of it. And it was a 3D platformer. Everybody was a 3D platformer back then. That was I just mean, the game to make. You know, Pokemon did it. <laughs> For a second, I interpreted what you said as like the most millennial statement ever. You know, Pac-Man from Smash Brothers. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, no. yeah. No, Pac-Man. I have a confession to make. When I was a child, uh, I, not that young, my parents were talking about Pac-Man, and it took me forever to figure out who they were talking about. I was really upset with myself later. Well, you can't, you know, I don't know. You can't control your age. No. I think, I don't know. I think we went through a lot of the games that made the transition well. Like, at least the notable ones that went went through it well and those that didn't. I can't really think of any more notable no. ones. Definitely Zelda got it. Um, I think it's interesting also to look at the games that went back after they'd already made it. Like Metroid, uh, Zelda went back. Mario went back years later. Donkey Kong went back, even though it never really succeeded in 3D. Because with a lot of those franchises, the developers discovered that those were two separate ecosystems they could make, uh, they could make intriguing games for. Like right. 2D Mario and 3D Mario are two totally com- separate, completely yeah. separate beasts, like, but both incredibly engaging in completely different ways. You know? Yeah. Like if you showed me Mario 64 with a character other than Mario, it's not a Mario game. But like. I mean, mechanically it is, but it, yeah. it, Mario just means something, you know? So right. So you take that away. Like, they're not, I don't know, they're not so linked. Like, 3D Mario and 2D Mario, you could like one and hate the other. It's totally right. possible. Yeah. So. And I think, yeah, good on Nintendo for recognizing that, like, just because they could now make excellent games in 3D doesn't mean, mean they had to. Right. Okay. So I think we'll leave it there, right? Our last topic today is the notion of console generations or video game generations. So right now we're in, what, the eighth generation of consoles with the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I don't, want, I don't know if I should say Nintendo Switch as well because N- Nintendo's in a weird place where they release sort of two consoles in the same generation. Nintendo's in the Twilight Zone right now. Um, They're wherever they want to be. Right, Pretty they've much. definitely messed up our, our nomenclature. <laughs> yeah. I'd say we're on generation 8.5 right now. It actually no, that's a great point because both the Sony p- and Microsoft released incremental upgrades to their Gen 8 consoles. And then Nintendo PlayStation released a console 4 Pro, people actually want to buy. Xbox One X. So yeah, I think it's very apt to say we're in generation 8.5 right now. And I just kind of wanted to bring up the idea of console generations and talk about it because I think it's a pretty unique thing we have to gaming. Like no other form of media has something like this you know what i mean right and i think it's interesting a a console generation brings with it a lot of things for instance like the type of game that is incredibly popular like we went from platformers back when we were in 2d 3d platformers became big first person shooters became big and now then third person shooters became big third person cover shooters and now i think we're moving into a kind of um action third person, like, I think the Souls style is co- becoming that, bigger. And also, you know, each generation sort of changes what is possible right. for a game Or at least be. it used to. I mean, could you see Fortnite running on a 360, though? Like, yeah, I think so. You think so? I, th- I think... I don't think the multiplayer architecture was I mean, there was a 128-player game on the PS3. That's a good point. So. But it ran like crap, you know? Did it? Like, okay. So it's it's more than just, you know, each generation brings it more than just graphical updates. You know, improvements in CPU allow for better AI and, like, right. more things that can be done in the game. Right, and then there's also, like, controllers have changed. Controllers didn't used to have gyroscopes in them and stuff. And they yeah. Didn't. And Rumble. Rumble was more of a game changer than people like to think. Yeah, um, no, it, it absolutely was. And I, I really like how each new generation sort of uses the technology at the time to sort of push the limit of what's possible in games. Right. I mean, like, the processing power wasn't there last generation to do VR. 
Not it at just, all. It just Not wasn't, close, you know? Yeah. Like, VR is a strictly Gen 8 plus thing. And I think if you look back, each generation had something like that to, like, make it stand out. Like, Gen 7 had HD gaming, you know? Right. That was um, a huge deal at the time. One of the big things, um, I mean... You can look at all the first-party titles Nintendo did for the GameCube and see, like, Super Mario Sunshine. They were like, we can make water look good now. Yeah. Let's put it everywhere. Yeah. Um, Pikmin could not have happened on the N64. Couldn't have that much AI, that much, that many individually modeled characters on the so screen. So this would be, just to keep count, Generation 6 you're talking about. Whatever. The GameCube they, and yeah. Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah. Right. And um, you look at... PlayStation 2. Zelda, yeah. Zelda just, they had that massive open world. They they could, um you don't have load screens, really, in Wind Waker. That, that was big. Like, when you're walking into, when you get to an island, you don't go through a load barrier because streaming was possible. Yeah. And that was less possible on the N64 because there wasn't as much memory. And then I think if we go back a generation further, Generation 5, which is N64, PlayStation... Yeah, and just making a 3D you know, game just, was yeah, the... Yeah, 3D gaming was yeah. the huge jump there. And everybody did it. Nobody wanted to make a 2D game for N64. Right, like we mentioned in our previous sec- yeah. second. I mean, PlayStation had some pretty good 2D games. I'll say that, but Nintendo did not did not care for them at the time. They were too busy with their shiny new toy. Yeah. If we go all the way back to the first generation of consoles, what was it? Like, I have no idea. I think it was like in a... Atari it was like an Atari, Atari and a TV. We're, we're too young to know this, yeah. unfortunately. The the furthest my memory goes back is Gen 4 with, like, the SNES, SNES. Oh. You See, know? I, I have the NES. Oh, really? Okay. I uh, I didn't have one as a kid, but I know a lot about it. Like, I know the game. So and... you, if we were to quantify it, you've been gaming from Gen 3 and up. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, if you want to count me, I play a lot of NES games. I'm interested in them. I like them. I play them now. I didn't play them as a kid. I started on SNES. Yeah. I think an, another cool thing to talk about is, like, the generation life cycle. Like, Generation 7 went on for the, Forever. Lo- for it the like longest eight years, wasn't it? A- any generation has gone. Uh, like, for context, you know, the jump between N64 and a GameCube was, what, like, three to four years. That's how long yeah. the N64 was a thing. The N64 didn't sell that well, though, too. It you have didn't, to yeah. keep that in mind. And I think I, I, I've read a lot of analyses. Like, a lot of people attribute the long, the tail end of Generation 7 to, like, a poor economy. Like, I don't know that that's like it. That. I, um, I think that might have some part of it. But, but, but another th- big thing is games just take longer to make now. Like, that's a, that's See, a huge I, factor. I don't think it. that's it either. I would say that it's because... The difference between the PS3 and the PS4 is not nearly as big as the difference between the PS2 and the PS3. I agree with that, yeah. And if they'd have released sooner, it would have been even smaller. Like, they wouldn't have been able to convince someone to buy it, I don't think. Yeah, that is the case. I do think, going forward, just it's just because uh, dev times for PS4 and Xbox One, because I like follow a lot of these companies... They are pretty long. Like, the low end is three years, and the high end is, you know, five to six years Right. for some of these games. And that in itself, like, six years could be, like, a modern console generation. Right. We so, see a lot of games that have had to jump console generations, like, um, oh, that PS4 game with the magic dog thing. The Last Guardian. The Last Guardian, <laughs> yeah. That that started as, like, a PS3 or PS2 game. PS2, yeah. I believe. It was PS2. <laughs> so, yeah, and, like... That that burns a developer because like if you're developing for one console and you have to switch, especially with as huge a switch between the PS3 and the PS4, that sucks. You have That's to, so much. Essentially, I imagine at one point in development, you have to go completely back to the drawing board again. You know. Right, and that's painful. Yeah. Uh, another game like that, Persona. Uh, Persona Four came out originally on PlayStation Two. Persona Five was a cross platform between PS3 and PS4, but came out after well after the PS4 came out. Wow. Console generations are interesting um, to me as a PC gamer because I can see, like, a lot of games are cross-platform between the two. And, um, I don't know, when a new console generation rolls around, I'll be like, oh, developers are going to care for a little bit again instead of... So, <laughs> that's a good point. Even as a PC gamer, like, console generations, to me at least, really do seem to dictate really gaming in general. Like, when the PlayStation 5 and Xbox 2 comes out, 
you're going to see <laughs> Xbox Two. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to see a lot of stuff that yes was possible in PlayStation Four, but you're going to see the envelope being pushed again. Right. You know? And that the the impetus for that is always the release of a new generation. And I firmly believe yes, each generation graphically there are diminishing returns because we're sort of approaching a ceiling on that. But there are more ways to innovate than just graphics. I mean, if right there well, there are a lot of things. Uh, VR, for instance, this generation that's is, a massive is, is a yeah. huge thing, you know. And it's it really does seem to me that every generation, these creative uh, developers find a way to utilize the new power they're given in a creative way. Right. So what's uh what's your favorite console generation? Oh, that's tough. Okay. Um. GameCube. Definitely GameCube. Love that thing. I love the GameCube so much, but I it's really tough for me to decide because I really make such fond memories with each one. It's hard to say not now, I mean, too, because yeah, there's so I, many I, I kind of want to say now, but I feel like I'll be accosted if I do that. Um, okay, so let so, me let me hit, hit let me hit you with this. If you say NES, you did your prime gaming years during the NES era. If you say Super NES, you did any of those. See, if I, you say now, that is you acknowledging that gaming gets better as a medium with I, time, and I, I think it has I think to be it now. It does yeah. get better. Like a lot of people disagree with that sentiment, but I think gaming has only gotten better as a whole, especially recently. I think we've hit some slumps like loot boxes and stuff, but, but as a whole, games gaming like, gets better. You know, every like, year. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, I know? remember thinking in 2016, how's 2017 going to top this? And then 2017 happened. 2017 annihilated 2016. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even close. Oh, yeah. And I, I and think 2018 is looking good right now. You know? it's it's I, I mean, 2017 is a once-in-a-decade type year, I think. And I think 2018 still has room to beat it. Like, I think it could happen. Um... But yeah, I, I was either going to say now or just based off nostalgia N64 because that was my first console. Like, so generation, what was it, right. five? So I think it's fair to say that either you're nostalgic or you say it's now, though. Yeah, no. I mean, everyone's biased that way. My favorite console generation is the generation that Elder Scrolls Six will launch on because it's definitely not the current one. But so you're just, just, you're just preemptively calling yeah. it? Yeah, it's, it's going to be at least, there's two IPs that, on the roadmap before the next Elder Scrolls game is going to be announced. And they have like a three-year gap between releases, announcements. So, so I think two, that, that brings up a good point. When do you think Generation 9 will start? I just realized that uh, PS4 and Xbox One are not going to get an Elder Scrolls game. You they're, not. Nope. they're not. Nope, they got Skyrim. Yeah. They d- that d- they're going to get a Bethesda new IP, too. I don't... going to be announced this they're, year They're not going to get a new Elder Scrolls, no. which, is, which is shocking to me. Yeah. It's appalling to me, actually. <laughs> They got a Fallout. That's all that you need. Well, the but, Wii U didn't get a Zelda, so. Yeah. Bethesda. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be alive. Or Metroid. Yeah. I'm calling it now. Bethesda's going to announce a new IP either this year or next year. They're going to announce, like, Starfall or something. So, I, I think I'm just going to bring up, we're closer to the end of this generation. You think so? Than the beginning. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think I'm we're past already, the halfway point, but I think we're just past I think it. we're past the two-thirds point. Really? Yeah. I, I'm already seeing very faint rumblings of... Companies saying, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, CD Projekt Red. Yeah. Making uh, Cyberpunk. They're saying they're making it for current and next-gen consoles. That's wild to me. Like, Although I don't companies think... Companies are already starting to I say stuff like that. I think you can like say that. that, and I think you can you can be full of it. Like, because but, the next-gen consoles are going to be... Uh, forgive my jargon. They're going to be x86 arch- architecture. They're going to be... Just stronger versions of the current gen. Absolutely, we yeah, are at really. a point where there's no good reason to stop doing that because you'd be shooting yourself in the foot so hard with third-party support. Because right now everybody's x86, everybody can run the major engines. Everybody, it's just easy to develop games. Except right you, now. Wii U, but you don't no longer exist. The Wii U is not current though. Um, but I hear what you're saying. But at the same time, a developer would not say that if there wasn't something tangible there. I disagree. I think develop. I don't. I, I've I've read these kind of PR statements like all the I, time, and they don't they don't do stuff like that. Um, I just I just think they're looking well, at how long the game is going to take to make and thinking to themselves, we're going to have to. Regardless, have to regardless, that's game. just one piece of evidence. There's more. Um, starting in 2019, uh, PlayStation is going to stop offering free PS3 games for PS Plus. A lot of people think that's because like PS5 is on the horizon. 
Wow. Um, I'm calling it another wacky prediction. 2018 will be the year that the Scorpio 2 will be announced. Whatever happened to um, PS4 is the last PlayStation you'll ever buy. Wasn't that a... I've never heard that before. People people talked about how they weren't going to make, like, there was not going to be another console generation. They were no. just going to keep upgrading the PS4. No, that'd be stupid if they did that. I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, I'm not Granted, buying another console, I do, so... I think it would be stupid if PS5 was not back compat with PS4. Like, that would be awful. Like, yeah. that would... And there's also plays. no good reason for it. Yeah. See, I really don't think, like, I think they're not going to have to, like, include an emulator or anything because I think it really will just be a stronger PS4 that... No, I agree with you, yeah. ...that has games that can't be played on a PS4. Yeah. It'd be like a 9 to 10 teraflop machine if it releases in the next couple of years. Yeah. Which is, like, over twice as powerful as the PS4 Pro right now, and I think that's a sufficient enough jump in yeah. horsepower. Um so uh, to just finish that thought I was having, a lot of analysts, a lot of people like in the industry, are predicting that Sony is going to inve- like have a reveal event for the PlayStation Five in 2019, which is so soon to me. Like I hope that doesn't happen because I love the PS4 generation, this generation eight we're on right now. I kind of wish it would just like bleed over. Maybe like I think 2020, 2021 is a great time to start moving into next gen. But I think it's happening sooner rather than later. Sony did announce that, like, uh, Sony and Microsoft both said that Gen 7 was an anomaly, and they don't plan on console generations lasting that long. Right. Um, they got to get it out there before Todd releases what? a let's, new game. Let's, <laughs> so let's let's see here. Uh, I think PS4 or Xbox One came out in 2013, right? That sounds right? Yeah, so five years. So it's been five years. It'll be six years in 2019. If they announce it and release it in 2019, it'd be a six-year console life cycle, which and is about not, right. which is not crazy. You know that it's totally possible. I just don't feel like the thirst for like like by the end of the PS3 and Xbox life cycle, there were a lot of people dissatisfied with the way their games looked. Like yeah, and I just don't see that thirst. For I don't. A new console. I don't see it now either. And I that's why I hope like they drag it out longer, but. I don't know, the signs I'm seeing point to it happening sooner rather than I, later. I think they would have a lot of trouble selling a new console right now. It'd have to be... It'd have to, it'd it'd have have to, to be, be at VR. a very in- intelligent price, too. Yeah, I think it would have to have VR included. Uh, something something crazy like I that. Think so. like, I don't think they could just sell a stronger PS4 right now, because they, they're already doing that. And um, I mean, it's selling, but... Well, clearly, I mean, I think it's obvious at this point VR is going to be a big component of Generation 9. Like for Sony and Microsoft, Sony because they've already got their their foot in the door with PSVR, and Microsoft because they know they have to get. Microsoft in on that. has their foot in the door with VR. They have Windows. Um, they have Windows Mixed Reality, which. Well, they, I mean, with their Xbox console. Yeah, but they are producing games in VR already. Like with Microsoft, like there's a Halo game in VR already. Really, it's terrible, but it exists. <laughs> okay. But yeah, they're they're doing the development. They just are probably waiting until next-gen to yeah. release a, a VR console. Um, they might be, I, I hope not, but they might have their, they might be holding out for augmented reality as well, which I don't see working out for them. Another interesting thing to bring up, say hypothetically next-gen starts in 2019, where does that leave Nintendo? They're sort of like desynced with this whole cycle. They don't care. They've kind of just gone off there in, the, in their I mean, own okay. direction. But also, the generation cycle doesn't, I mean, you're not held to it, really. You're not held to it. It's just some arbitrary. Because this thing wouldn't we've be the first time Nintendo has been like in that rut. They, the NES was competing with the Genesis, for instance. Yeah. And the Genesis. And I think Nintendo's different enough from Sony and Microsoft NES. to not. They're not going to be hurt by a more powerful, you know, PlayStation or Xbox at all. They're they're going they're going to be just fine. Right. Doing their own thing. I mean, the the Switch is portable, now, and there's nothing. There's no. <laughs> amount of power you can cram into a console that would make it so, more appealing than a Switch to me as a PC gamer. Let's, let's, let's be perfectly real about this right now. <clears throat> even if, you know, um, say that next gen's happening in 2019, or even 2020 for that matter, Sony and Microsoft have almost certainly final internally finalized the designs for their next consoles. Oh, yeah. Like, almost 100%. Do you think that there was enough time between the Switch coming out and their designs being finalized to incorporate some of the Switch's design into the next gen? 
Like, do you think there might be a portability factor to any of these consoles? I don't think so, and I'm gonna say it's because Sony's tried. Sony's tried the portable console. They have tried, and but they... Nintendo has proved that it could work for a home console. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Microsoft has said before they're just not interested in portable. They have said that, but, you know, like, I really do feel like the Switch coming out was a pretty big game changer. Like, it opened a lot of eyes, a lot of third-party eyes, and, and I'm sure Sony and Microsoft were paying attention to. Granted, I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I absolutely don't think it will happen, but I think it's an interesting idea to consider. I, I don't think it'll happen. I'm, I'm perfectly satisfied with this current generation of consoles, but I'm a person personally that just is always interested in the new thing and the next best thing. So if and when PlayStation 5 and Xbox 2 are announced, I will be probably there day one, ready and excited to be wowed by whatever they come up with. Do you think... Um... Well, this is just a thought that hit me. Do you think there's a possibility there won't be another Xbox? I think there will be another Xbox in the immediate future. So I think there will be a successor to the Xbox One. After that, though, I can't say for sure because, like we mentioned before on the show, it definitely seems like Microsoft is moving to a more software-centric role in all of this. I agree with that. Yeah, fascinating stuff. I love I love talking about generation iterations and stuff like that. Let's end the game, as always, by talking about games we've been playing or games we recommend. Um, Michael, do you want to go first? So, uh, I was gifted Into the Breach by a friend of mine on Steam, and oh man, is it a good game. What is it? Uh, it's by the, uh, by the FTL devs. It's a turn-based tactics game that kind of feels like XCOM with a little bit of a twist. It's hard to describe. I, uh, I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this today, and apparently you're not you're at a severe disadvantage for a lot of the game. The only advantage you have is that you can kind of tell what the enemies are going to do, and yeah. you can react before they do it. Yeah, every so enemy's attack is set up to tur- their turn, and then you have a turn to dodge it or do something about it. So it almost seems more like a puzzle than a, a combat it's, to me. It's a combat and a puzzle. Like... Some some squads, like I, one of my favorite ones, relies... It has a tank with a grappling hook that has ar- one armor on it, so it takes one less damage. So in the early game, it takes nothing. And the grappling hook you can use to reposition any enemy or reposition the tank if you needed to. So, and another one of the tanks, the other mech, has an arc whip that will travel along to any enemy and friendly in a line... In like an area, so you can hit if you have a bunch of them together, you can clear a map really quickly. And then the last one just throws a rock that you can also chain through. So they synergize really well together. And if you set it up right, you can kill eight or nine enemies in one run very easily. That's interesting. And it's um, it's kind of a it's got a roguelike aspect to it, doesn't it? Yeah. If your mech dies, it's disabled for the battle, and you lose the pilot in it, which could be bad. Could not matter if your pilot doesn't have experience on it. And once you complete a run, or if you fail a run, you get to take one pilot with you to the next run. Oh, and wow. only one pilot. But that pilot, that pilot's experience and Everything's stuff can maintained. make it easier. I think my longest serving pilot served four timelines, is what they're called. And I got rid of him because I found a better one. <laughs> that's, uh, that's interesting. I was a big fan of FTL. Um, conceptually, I guess. I was never good enough at it to really enjoy it that much. And I kind of feel like I'm afraid that's where I would sit with End of the Breach. But uh, End of the Breach is as hard as FTL. For, for $15, I'm tempted to pick it up. It's a good yeah, game. Yeah, the music's really good. Ben Prunty came back and... Is this a Steam exclusive? or is I it... think it's Steam exclusive. Okay, so it's not on, uh, it's not on console? Cause it's I... not on console. I don't think FTL Plus, was on console. Either. It gets you a free copy of FTL right now. Oh, that's a cool that's deal. Good. Yeah, I, uh, I have that. I think it's also cheaper for owners of FTL. Yeah, kind of. I think so. For that, I think maybe. I could be wrong though. Don't uh, don't quote me on that. I mean, I have a free copy of FTL just sitting in my Steam gift like gift inventory right now, so I don't really care. I already played through FTL, so yeah. It's uh, a really solid game, and I've played like five hours into it now and won it once. That's nice. 
And uh, it looks really good. I would implore anybody who's into um, strategy games, turn-based strategy, to look it up. It looks fun. Uh, I'll go next. Um, I've been playing Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze a lot, and I I love that game. It's I, I'm a big platformer guy, and I don't think... Outside of, like, Super Meat Boy, which is a skilled platformer in a different way, like... Super Meat Boy asks you to do skilled platforming for a very short amount of time, but it's very, very hard. Donkey Kong asks you to do somewhat hard platforming for a very long time, and I, I'm very into it. Like, it's it's definitely a test of endurance to get through a level in that. And um, they kind of take a different approach from traditional platformers like Mario. They t- Mario tends to introduce one mechanic per level and spend the entire level exploring everything you can do with that mechanic, and then they throw it away at the end. Um, Donkey Kong doesn't. It introduces two or three mechanics per level, and, like, you explore them all individually, and then the level starts to do them both at the same time. It mixes that up for you, and, uh, I don't know. It just creates some interesting stuff. It's a varied game. The levels are a lot longer as a consequence of that, so it's just generally a different experience, and, uh, I think it's really fun. It's, it may be my favorite platformer right now. It's between that and Rayman Legends. Wow, that's high praise. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I have been playing, well, other than Fortnite, I've been playing Civilization VI Rise and Fall. So the expansion for, the first expansion for Civilization VI recently came out, and that prompted me to revisit the game. And Civilization is just one of those games that's like a black hole to me. If I get sucked in playing it, I'm just like stuck there for Right, Do- yeah. Dozens oh, of yeah. Hours. It's a classic like, one-more-turn game. Yeah, like, I-, I start playing that game, and then I look at the clock, and, like, five hours have passed, like, within the span of, like, a split second. I've been there. But um, I've always loved Civilization, and the this expansion adds some pretty neat new mechanics uh, to the formula, one of which is the uh, they kind of overall overhaul how Golden Ages work. So regularly in Civ... When your civilization is doing really well, uh, after a set period of time, your civilization can enter a golden age in which they produce more resources, money, etc. Um, with this expansion, they changed how that mechanic works. So um, you earn golden age and dark age points for things you do in the game. Um, and depending on how your civilization how successful it is for that particular era. In the next era, they either start the era in a golden age or a dark age. And the idea is that if, they, if, they, if they're in a golden age for the era, then the subsequent era has a higher chance of being a dark age. So you have to like really capitalize on your benefits. Um, and conversely, if you're in a dark age, it'll be easier for you to get a golden age n- next era. Okay. And if you get a golden age, it's called a heroic age, where you get right. two bonuses so, instead of one. Well, so that's the thing. If you get a golden age from a dark age, then you enter a heroic age. I think that's how that works. Yeah. Yeah, and you get two bonuses instead of one. So it, it it's, it's a good sort of balancing mechanic for civilizations that fall behind to sort of grab the reins and charge ahead again. Uh, and I think it's really cool. Uh, a lot of small smaller tweaks like... Uh, tweaks to the AI. I think they changed how diplomacy works, but I'm not too sure how it differs from vanilla. But yeah, it's just it's another reason to revisit an incredibly addicting game. You should say what Civ is. So for those who don't know, Civilization is a turn-based strategy game in which uh, it, it sort of simulates all of human history but you're in control of a, a particular civilization and you get to sort of shape how history develops. So it, another way to think of it, it takes like history and culture and religion and essentially puts it in a blender and it lets you sort of evolve uh, any way you want. So like, for instance, I could be, you know, Germany or something like like I could found the the Germ- Germanic Empire, and I could f- create the religion of Hinduism as Germany and, you know, conquer Japan or something and make Japan's capital part of my... You, like, 
it takes elements that exist in history and lets you play around with them, essentially, um, in the form of a turn-based strategy game. So if you like micromanaging resources and troops and that sort of thing, um, then this game is certainly for you. A uh, lot of micromanaging necessary to do well in this game. But I'm into that sort of thing, so I think it's really fun. All right, yeah, I think that's going to do it for today. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.